Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on today's podcast, I wanted to give you a few updates around uh, Walt Disney World, things that are going on. It feels like every time I think that I can kind of delay for another month or two before I start talking about updates and changes, more changes get made or we hear about more things happening and it's suddenly like, oh, I got to talk about that because there's just, it's like a continual progression of things that are happening. For a period of time, even early in the days of this podcast, actually until recently, the uh, things that were changing there were kind of, you know, slow moving. You had a lot of things happening and there was kind of a build up to things. But then since then, it's just been happening a lot faster. And I understand Disney's desire to get a lot more uh, bang for the buck, if you will. So it feels like uh, things are happening a lot faster. Now, before I get to that, I wanted to share a little uh, personal story with you. And it's about my podcast and about a couple of the apps that I've developed. And the story is that I um, was told by the place I was hosting previously that I couldn't host there anymore. And I had to move everything. I had to up and move everything off of the uh, server that I had there, reload it over, over somewhere else. So uh, thankfully, the people at Anchor FM, uh, Anchor.fm are uh, generous with their, uh, their ability to host me. So I'm hosted there now. So the feed should stay the same if you're subscribed to me through iTunes or any of the other uh, podcast services. You should still see the same feed. It just may have refreshed with all of the updates and all of the episodes over the last week or so uh, because I had to reload those out there. So the the content will remain the same. It's all still out there. It's just now it's kind of different because it's all stored in one place in a different location. And it's kind of uh, it was a little bit of work to get everything moved. But it should be almost seamless to you. My show notes page is back over at DisneyWorldPodcast.net, though the page is different now. I'm not using Blogger as my uh, my show notes page anymore. I'm going to use the Anchor FM page to actually do the show notes. So you'll see them. I'll display them there on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. I'll continue to update that page as I think I need to as I come up with different ideas. I have a discussion forum. Uh, down at the bottom of that page. So if you want to add anything, any comments or anything to any of these podcasts, please feel free to. So, uh, you know, just trying to change what I'm doing here a little bit. And then as far as my apps go, there was a funny thing that happened. Um, same basic problem. I was storing, one of the apps was the uh, your uh, your pin trading app where you can take your uh, the pins that you have and snap pictures of them. And then you can, uh, you can retrieve them at any point and sort through them and see what pins you have and which ones you want to trade for and so forth. Uh, I had the same problem that the uh, place I was hosting them uh, said I couldn't host them any- there anymore. So I had to remove all the, the pin pictures. So now I'm reinventing the app again to go back to a database stored on the phone rather than having a, uh, a database that's online where you can go and get all the pins. I had to change a lot of things to make that work. It's a little, a little, it was a little confusing and a little bit of a pain in the neck, but I think in the long run it'll work out okay. I'll give you an update once that's done and let you know that that's out there. But uh, for the moment... 
things are just kind of progressing along. It takes a little work to do some of these things. You know, it's just like you have all these great ideas and things are going well, and then all of a sudden somebody decides to throw a wrench at you. So kind of weird. Just wanted to give you an update. Hopefully uh, none of that causes you too much concerns. Uh, you can just enjoy, hopefully you can continue to enjoy this podcast. And if you're using the app, hopefully it won't be too disruptive to you. So one uh, interesting thing that happened. Um, so a couple of years ago, Disney extended, they did a, what, what they thought was a generous thing. They gave everyone who was an annual pass holder an extra month. So you got a 13th month on your pass. Now here's the problem for me. I'm actually a, a, a select pass holder, so my, my pass has a blackout date during the, um, the summer months. So it starts in like mid-June and goes until sometime in August, so I can't go during the summer. And that's just fine with me. I prefer not to go during the summer anyway. I do other things, and I don't generally go to the parks during the summer anyway, so it works out. So I went ahead and got that pass. But the first time I got this pass, I actually got it in early June. And I was going like three or four days before the annual blackout happened. And that was fine. That was okay. No problem. And then a couple of years later, they announced that they were going to add the 13th month, which meant that my renewal date moved from like June 3rd or June 4th to July 4th. <laughs> so they gave me the extra month and that's nice, but I couldn't use the extra month because I was right up against the edge of when the blackout date started anyway. And the oh, by the way moment is that you can only renew your pass 60 days in advance. That's the earliest you can renew it. So for many years, that wasn't a problem because I could go out and I could renew it. I'd be there probably, you know, mid to late May, maybe early June a couple of times where I could renew my pass. It was within the 60-day window, and that was fine. When I renew my pass, I think I've mentioned this before, I use gift cards that I've gotten. I use cash. I don't generally charge it. I generally use things that I have available that I've gotten for different things. So it's easy for me to walk up to a window where there's a guest services cast member there and I hand him the cash, I hand him the gift cards and we make the transaction and we renew the, the, uh, the pass, no problem. This year, my only trip or my next trip uh, before the end of the blackout date is gonna be the first week in May. <laughs> so I'm gonna be there around May 2nd and 3rd. Guess what? <laughs> the 60 day window opens up May 6th, which is the following Monday. So that's a bit of a problem for me. <laughs> I can't renew it in person. So I decided to email guest services. I sent an email to uh, the Walt Disney World guest services and I explained the situation. I said, look, it's not a big deal. I'll find another way to pay for it. I'll charge it to a credit card, whatever I have to do. But it's a bit of a nuisance for me and I'm sure I'm not the only person who has that problem. And their answer to me was kind of a blanket, hey, thanks for your feedback. We'll let people know that that was an issue for you. I'm like, well, that doesn't solve my problem really. What I was hoping for, and maybe it's just a, a subtle hope, is that they would just give me a solution. They could say, oh, why don't you go to guest services and we'll take care of you. That would have been a reasonable answer. But no, it was just a blanket, hey, we'll, you know, we'll let somebody know. Thanks, really. I don't like it when they don't respond to my request directly. I also heard that the uh, the bricks around the world were going away. And I told you at one point many podcasts ago, several years ago, that my grandparents had a brick there and we weren't able to find it. We were never able to find it. But I thought I'd take one last ditch effort. I had been emailing back in those days, you know, what was that, eight or 10 years ago? I was emailing with the um, guest services people and I was saying, hey, I'm trying to find a brick. And they would email me back and we'd go back and forth and we'd try to find it. And we tried our best, we couldn't find it. So I thought I'd take one last effort here before they decided that it was uh, time to, uh, to close the program. And I'd email them and I'd ask them a question, hey, can you help me find the brick? And their answer to me was, just go to guest services when you get to the park. Great. 
they didn't want to help me particularly right then anyway. They just wanted me to go talk to somebody, which is fine. I don't mind talking to somebody and I will, but it just struck me as odd that they didn't try to help me in any way. It was sort of a, you know, sort of a slough off. And that's the thing I'm observing. I'm observing sometimes is that it feels like, you know, they're less conscientious about the consumer feedback through this channel and they'd rather have it directly when they're, when you're in the parks. Okay. It's a shift in philosophy. I get it, but it's just different and it feels different. You know, for those of us who are regulars and I email all the time, I tell them things, I see things, I say something, whatever. Sometimes I go to guest services, sometimes I'll send the email, sometimes I'll tweet at them, but it depends on what it is. And you know, different times I'll have different uh, reactions, but lately I've been getting more reactions that are just kind of like, it feels like it's an AI response, a canned response from a system that just says, hey, we read through this and here's the canned response. It's not a personal response anymore. And I'm troubled by that. And it's just one of those things, you know, if you're trying to up the ante on customer service and do better by your guests, that's probably not the best way to do it. But be that as it may, it is, you know, they're doing what they think is right and I get it and it's not wrong what they're doing and I will go talk to somebody at guest services and I'm fine with that. And even about my annual pass, I'll probably go talk to somebody at guest services when I go up just because I want to see if I can do it a different way. But it just feels weird to me the way that kind of worked out. Um, that it just, you know, they're changing sort of their tactics and how they talk to guests, at least on email. And I can imagine in their defense that they get a lot more emails these days. So I can understand why they want to take the time and care to go through AI rather than going to a person directly because it's going to be cheaper and more efficient. And for most people, that's going to solve the problem. Me, I'm very specific when I email them. So that's why it's kind of odd for me. So that's my rant about that. So let's move on and we'll talk about updates that are going on at Walt Disney World. I understand that the Haunted Mansion now has the uh, photo pass. So you can uh, actually, you will actually have your picture taken on the ride. I'm not sure where that picture is taken. I think it's in the section where you get the, uh, the three hitchhiking ghosts. I think that's where they take it and they'll, uh, they put it out there. Um, but I'm like, do you really need a photo from the ride from that attraction? feels like, you know, I think that was, I think they said it was the 13th attraction. Ha ha ha. Haunted Mansion 13, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you really need it there. Some places it's fun. Some places it's useful. Splash Mountain, I always kind of like. Space Mountain seemed like it made sense, you know, that kind of thing. But some of them I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't quite get it um, seeing it from the Haunted Mansion. But I don't know. We'll see what it looks like. I'll see, you know, I'll take a look at it the next time I'm there and I'll, uh, I'll see what they got. So the gondola service is uh, up and running in test mode right now. They've got most of the gondolas on the, uh, on the cables and they're test running it uh, pretty much throughout the day just to make sure there's no hitches or glitches and they're teaching the cast members how to run it and all of those things and it's actually pretty cool if you stand there and watch it it's pretty neat i've seen i haven't seen it myself yet but i'll see it soon uh, as you watch it run along you can you can actually see how it works and i've seen several videos of it uh that people have posted out there it runs along and uh, it you know goes pretty quick. I think they said the um, the speed it reaches it can go faster, but the the typical maximum speed it reaches is about 11 miles an hour, and it just launches right out of the uh, out of the uh, the bay where you load it, and uh, goes off and it's 60-ish um, feet in the air. I think is the maximum height it gets to, and it goes along at a pretty good pace. Um, and it uh, takes you to your destination. But then when it gets to the station, it actually comes in, slows down, and goes around the curve, so you have plenty of time to get out, walk out, and do anything. Now, as I understand it, there's supposed to be a way for the cast member 
to actually pull a car off the line and kind of put it on the side so that if someone needs extra time in boarding, you can uh, board it that way and then they'll push it back in the line and it'll go where you need to go. So they found a way to kind of work around the fact that people may have strollers, ECVs, uh, be uh, less mobile and have some issues with uh, you know stepping off the platform and whatever because the car is in continuous motion. Uh, they are not air conditioned, but they do have a fan in the top and it looks like, you know, on a hot day, it might be moderately uncomfortable in there, but I'll have to see my, have to see it for myself and see what it feels like. Uh, so far, I think it's pretty cool and I want to check it out as soon as they open it because I really like the idea of the gondola. Sure, not as cool as a monorail, but a reasonable alternative and it will get the throughput going. I'm going to have to do the math on it and figure out how many guests you can move around to different places, but you've essentially taken the load off of some of your buses. And isn't that the end goal here, to move away from the whole bus infrastructure? They've got a little city there. They've got more more municipal buses that are running at Walt Disney World than uh, I think it's the than three other cities in the world. So it's the fourth largest bus fleet in the world or something like that. Really, really big. I might be wrong. It might be the fifth. But anyway, it's a, it's a very large bus fleet that runs around Walt Disney World. And they're old diesel buses and they need a lot of maintenance and you have to hire drivers and there's all kinds of things that you have to do. So uh, the fact that they're moving to a new system is pretty cool. And so far it looks pretty good. They still have wraps on the, on the gondola so you can't see what they ultimately look like. Um, they'll pull those off just before they start to uh, use them. But as you see them go along, you're like, okay, at least they're thinking to the future and they're starting to think about other things they could do with, their, with moving guests around. And I really like that. And the fact that it's in the corridor where you have several resorts, uh, Epcot and uh, the uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, makes sense. So then it kind of gets you into a place. You can kind of get from some of the outlying areas into like Epcot. And then if you wanted to take the monorail over to the Magic Kingdom, you could. So you didn't have to take a bus necessarily. Kind of cool. I think it'll work. Um, I do look forward to trying them out though. I want to see what it feels like to be in one of them, in one of them and uh, see how it feels to go along. They do say it's a pretty cool bird's eye view from up there. Look forward to seeing what that looks like. On another note, Epcot is planning another show to replace uh, Illuminations, and that's going to be coming up here during the summer. And it'll last for, I think they said it was going to last for six or eight months. I'm pretty sure it might be a little longer. That'll be a, a new show that kind of harkens back to the history of Epcot. So there'll be different things they're doing with uh, songs from the original opening of Epcot with uh, different fireworks displays that kind of relate back to some of the things that are that they had originally and you know showing some scenes of original attractions and so forth. I think Figment is supposed to play a larger part in it. I want to see that. I really like the idea. I like Figment. I miss him and I miss the original spirit of Epcot. And that reminds me, we have to talk about the, the whole change to Epcot and some of the things that are coming on a future podcast because there's a lot of things that are happening and many things are changing and it's kind of interesting in a way. And uh, I'm not sure what the spirit of it is at this point. It's not really World Showcase, it's something else. Now, they, I did see somewhere online, and I can't remember where this was, so I can't give credit to it, and I apologize. It was, um, they were talking about, there's a space that they've cleared out between China and, and uh, Germany in the uh, World Showcase. And it's near where the, uh, the watercraft, the barges would go out for illuminations. And they cleared the space out and it looks like what they're doing is going to be putting a drone hangar in there. And so the next show, the one after this temporary show, may be a drone oriented show where they do a lot more things that are interactive and can do some things and reduce, you know, potentially reduce the number of fireworks, but create a more interactive, exciting show that then they can alter a little bit 
and uh, make it kind of interesting. So the prospect of that intrigues me as well because the drones are very cool and you could do some really interesting things there if you can get it all up and running and you know kind of get it get it working. I have heard tell that they've been playing around with drones again. You may remember a few years ago, they did some drone, very uh, small scale drone shows uh, over uh, Disney Springs. It was still downtown Disney at the time and over the area that uh, near the Magic Kingdom because they were kind of testing out the theory. Um, I have heard that they've been testing it again somewhere off property further away, you know, not near the, many of the parks. So, you know, perhaps this is some, this is a harbinger of something cool to come and maybe evolving sort of the technology and doing some cool things as opposed to uh, what they're doing today, which is all fireworks and some light up shows and things, you know, really making it more interesting and interactive because they can go over your head and they can do some things. They don't have to keep it at a distance because the drones are relatively safe as compared with, you know, pyrotechnics. So kind of interesting and I like the idea and I, I want to see if they can make that work. So there's a lot of talk about Star Wars and the uh, Disney property, and that's kind of interesting in its own way. Uh, of course, uh, the uh, Star Wars uh, land is supposed to open at Disneyland here this uh, next month, and it's very soon. And, um, you know, kind of exciting. There's a lot of excitement build up about that. And I want to see what it looks like. I want to see how it comes together because it'll give me a, a hint of what they're going to do at Disney World at that point. Um, I have a sense of it, but I don't really know what they're going to do. So kind of interesting when they, they start to build up to it. Um, Disney continues to work on several different shows related to Star Wars. I guess they've got the uh, Mandalorian show, and the kind of interesting thing is they've got the uh, they've invited some of the members of the 501st. That's the uh, group that does the uh, that does the dress up. It's the uh, you know the it's almost a large action role playing type thing where people are dressing up in Empire related clothing. Uh, so they're on the dark side, and they're you know they dress up as stormtroopers or bounty hunters or whatever. And they, uh, they go out and they do different things. They were always invited or participated in uh, a lot of the things that were in Star Wars weekends when they still had those. And now they're being invited to participate in some of the TV show, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I find that the relationship between the 501st and Disney is kind of interesting in Lucasfilm. It's an interesting little interplay and mix that goes on there. And it's neat that they're being invited back to participate in this. And perhaps after Star Wars Land opens again, at uh, Walt Disney World, perhaps the 501st will be invited back uh, to participate in some of the activities there at times. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, and speaking of Star Wars, the first teaser trailer came out for Star Wars Episode Nine, And um, I'm still a Star Wars fan, but I'm skeptical about this particular trailer. You know, it's kind of they fooled us once with the Rogue One trailer where none of the scenes that were in the trailer appeared in the movie. And I kind of get the feeling that they're editing it differently or have created scenes specifically to tell us a story that's not exactly true to kind of throw us down, you know, a fake trail that will follow. I have a feeling that, you know, it's kind of a red herring and this is not what the movie is really going to be like. And it, that may be the working title of the movie, the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker or The Return of Skywalker, whatever it was exactly. Um, and that may or may not be the actual title of the film. They may tweak it a little bit to kind of make it interesting. And don't forget that Skywalker is also Leia and also Kylo Ren. So regardless, you've got two Skywalkers right there. It doesn't necessarily have to be about Luke. And we still don't know anything about um, Rey's past. So, you know, she may or may not be a Skywalker. So it may or may not be relevant. So it could just be something they're throwing at us to talk about uh, Kylo. Who knows? You know, it's, it's interesting. I'll still see it. I'm still a fan. I still want to watch it, but I'm kind of a little hesitant. I was thrown off by, I didn't like the Han Solo movie. 
So I'm kind of like, meh, I don't know. I feel kind of, feel kind of bad because um, love the first sec- love the first three episodes that came out, four, five, and six. Liked one, two, and three. If you kind of watch them abstractly and think about the storyline, it's great. Didn't like seven. Didn't really like eight at all. And then nine, I'm kind of you know on the fence about. And and then between, I thought the uh, Rogue One was a very good story. Didn't play out quite right, but I like the interplay. And again, if you kind of take the abstract view of it and just think about the storyline, it's pretty darn good. Um, but then Han Solo was kind of like, meh. So it's kind of, you put it together and you go, I'm just not sure what to expect from the next movie. And uh, we'll see what Disney decides to do with it when J.J. Abrams does. But like I said, I'm still a fan. I want to see it. Speaking of Disney movies and television and so forth, um, we do know that the uh, merger between Disney and 20th Century Fox was completed. All signed off. Disney now owns the 20th Century Fox properties, all the movies, all the shows, all of the things that the Fox properties produces. For example, Modern Family, which is an ABC show. ABC is owned by Disney. The production company was Fox. So now Disney owns the entire production cycle of the show Modern Family. Interesting. Um, they also acquired The Simpsons, which I thought was kind of funny. I didn't even think about it until the other day. The um, There was a short tr- teaser trailer they put out where The Simpsons were talking about going to Disney World. It's very cute, the way they put it together. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, oh, that's funny. Yes, of course, they own The Simpsons too now. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> the last time I heard about The Simpsons, they were doing some things over at Universal Studios when they rethemed... Um, Part of uh, part of one land to be uh, uh, Springfield, and they actually put um, uh, the, the Quickie Mart there and did some other things. Now Disney owns that property, so they would license it if they you know if they wanted to continue something like that over at Universal. Otherwise, they would just have it themselves in their own park and do their own thing with it. So I'm just like, hey, that's funny. Look at that. They own they own several different things you don't think about. Of course, now they own the Avatar franchise, so anything that James Cameron puts out, Disney already owns. So it's not as unusual as it was in the past when they were doing something with Avatar and uh, they didn't own the property. Now they own it. So it's, you know, whatever they choose to do, it's not through a licensing deal anymore. And speaking of uh, Disney and this Fox deal, they've announced the plans to roll out the streaming service. Uh, It's Disney Plus that'll be coming out uh, sometime later this year. They didn't give an exact date. It'll probably be late summer is my guess. Um, but it'll be, uh, it'll be a service that will include all of the Disney content. So they'll have a lot of different things, including Vault Disney. So all the old shows and, and things that used to appear on the Disney Channel that disappeared at some point. You know, it's the old Mouska shows. All that stuff will be there available for streaming. All of the Disney movies, all of the Pixar movies, all of the Fox movies, all of those things will be in there as a part of their uh, platform. Now, they want to essentially take Netflix out of business. And I think they're well on their way to doing that with the acquisition of all this property that they've said, for now, we have no plans to put it on Netflix. We'll let our agreements, whatever they are, run through their course. And then after that, we're just going to put it on our streaming service. And it's like, oh, okay, that's going to be interesting. So the proposed price point is about $7 a month for the uh, streaming content, which makes a lot of sense. You know, you do the math through it, right? They have a very broad base of individuals that they have there. It's like, you know, $7 a month for their content. You know, if you have a million subscribers, that's $7 million a month. I mean, that's that's huge for the property that they've got. You know, the, the things that they stream through Netflix, they probably make less than that now. So, you know, just kind of funny. Um, so it's amazing how, they, how they've how they got this planned up. I'm sure they've done the actuarial stuff on it and 
counted all the beans and said exactly where they think the profit margin lies, and that's what they have it set at. No word yet on how ESPN is going to figure into this, but I think there's going to be some interesting little uh, nuggets that'll happen there too, because the ESPN properties uh, are not part of this streaming service for now. Asterisk, who knows what the future holds? Um, but you know that's the way that works. And remember that also, Disney now acquired Fox's stake in Hulu uh, as a result of that. So Hulu is this um, this group, this consortium, this streaming service among many different companies. So CBS has a stake, Fox had a stake. NBC has a stake, uh, ABC had a stake. So all these different companies, and there were other media companies in there as well. Disney acquired Fox's stakes. They have a larger stake than everybody else. So their plan is to put some of their content through Hulu and do some things that are a little bit different so that they can partner up and do some smarter uh, activities to broaden their base a little bit. Interesting. So we'll see where that all nets out. I think it's really fun to think about a little bit, you know, how Disney's going to make their uh, content available. So we'll see what it all looks like and what they uh, what they wind up doing. So on a very, fairly recent podcast, I talked about uh, Disney's uh, how to be vegetarian at Disney and how to even be vegan at Disney. Disney is taking this much more seriously. You're starting to see more products appear. Since I made that podcast back in, I think it was November, they've changed even more. They've added more plant-based products. And remember that they're calling them plant-based products. They're not calling them meat substitutes. They're not calling it vegetarian. They're calling it plant-based. It's a little more approachable as a consumer. Um, and as people who have never experienced it and don't, you know, don't think about eating anything other than meat, they don't, it's easier and more approachable if you do it this way. And that's kind of what some of the companies have chosen to do. Uh, some of the companies that produce these products have chosen to do as well. So like the Beyond Meat Company, they don't call themselves uh, a meat substitute. They don't call themselves a vegetable burger. They call themselves a plant-based product. So kind of changes the way you think about it. But what's interesting is that Disney taking it more seriously means that they now have a pamphlet they have avail available. You can ask for it at guest services of all, and I think you can find it on the app as well. If I can find it in the app, I'll put a link in my show notes page. Um, but it lists where all of the plant-based products are and what you can get. So if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you can find all of the plant-based products and the things that are truly vegetarian or the things that have some sort of animal products in them. Kind of cool. So if you're leaning that way or you want to try leaning that way or you want to try some of these products while you're there, great opportunity to do so. It's a, it's a neat way that Disney is kind of thinking about the future and how to evolve their own thinking on it. You know, it's not just all hot dogs and hamburgers anymore like it was when they first opened. Now it's something much more interesting. There's a much wider palette. Um, as I said, one of my kids is totally vegetarian. So anytime we go, it's always easy to find something for him to eat. For a while, it was a little hard. You know, it was kind of like, oh, well, we'll eat over here because I know that they have something. Now you can find something almost everywhere. It's pretty neat. And speaking of that son who happens to be the uh, vegetarian, he and I are headed to the parks um, in the first week in May, so about two weeks out from when I'm recording this podcast. If there is anything that you'd like to hear about, anything you want me to check out while I'm there, anything you'd like me to get a recording of, just uh, drop me an email, davesdisneyview at gmail.com, comment on one of the uh, platforms where you see this particular podcast, or uh, go over to my show notes page at disneyworldpodcast.net and just push something in there, post something at the bottom. Or if you like, just tweet me. It's uh, Dave's Disney View. Excuse me, it's just Disney View. It's called Dave's Disney View, but it's at Disney View. And I'll put a link to that in my show notes page as well so you can find it. Uh, so you can uh, absolutely tweet me and, uh, and see what's up. Say what's up. And uh, let me know if there's something you'd like to hear about, see about, learn about something. 
Um, and uh, hopefully that'll be entertaining for you. Well, hopefully the uh, dust is now settled on my podcast and everybody's happy with where it is. And I, if you have any issues with it, just let me know again. That's fine. I'm, you know, I'm happy to try and figure it out and make sure that there's no major hurdles or speed bumps. I'm happy to try and figure it out and make sure there's no hurdles or speed bumps. I like doing this podcast. I like to make it available to people. And a lot of the stuff is what we call evergreen. It's, you know, the same all the time. Some of these news updates, they're interesting in a historical context, but they're not necessarily interesting today, you know, in the day you're listening to them. But it's fun. some of the other stuff that appears in there. It's little nuggets of information and things you might like to know. And sometimes it's historical things about the parks. Like, well, I'll go back and talk about an attraction in its original incarnation. So those things are kind of fun. So hopefully you, uh, you find it useful. And I wanted to make sure I could continue to share that with you. And speaking of sharing historical information from you, don't forget I have my Lost and Found in Walt Disney World YouTube series that's available. And you can always go check that out. Uh, I'll put a link to it in my show notes page. But uh, you can... It's in YouTube. Just look for Lost and Found Walt Disney World. Or you can just uh, follow the feed at uh, feeds.feedburner.com slash lostwdw. That's pretty easy, right? So I hope you, uh, hope you find it interesting. Hope you uh, find some cool stuff there. Um, hope, it's, uh, hope it's appealing to you in some way. Oh, and one other quick thing for you. I've uh, started up a Tee Public site, and that's where you can get your own t-shirts uh, through Tee Public. And um, I've got two t-shirts out there as of today. It's my logo for Dave's Disney View podcast. And then I've also got the Horizons logo with the catch line, if you can dream it, you can do it. I plan to put some more out there. It's going to take a while to come up with some themes and some concepts. But if you're interested in either of those shirts, feel free to pick one up. So that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gilles. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 